dear friends, thank you for coming back. We will try to uh, gain some of the time that we, uh, we missed. So now we're starting uh, the afternoon sessions and uh, the first panel that we have is uh, the panel on uh, a new concept uh, on uh, <clears throat> optimizing crew welfare and costs and the impact of telemedicine in, um, on seafarers and shipping. It's, it's a new concept and uh, I'm glad that uh, we have uh, the time to, to focus on it. So we have with us uh, four speakers. Each speaker is going to give a, a short presentation on the topic and then uh, we'll have a Q&A. Uh, I would like to welcome Mr. Uh, Martin uh, Said, who came from uh, Yale University. Uh, he is a lecturer and director of research at the Yale University Occupational and Environmental Medicine. And then uh, we have Dr. Periklis Zardis. He's a, he's a doctor and he's a chief medical advisor of SHIP Medcare. So he's going to be the one to talk to us about uh, this uh, new service that they are offering uh, worldwide. And then, of course, we have with us uh, Kostas Ioannidis from uh, Mars Brokers, one of the biggest uh, uh, marine insurers. And uh, we have also Mr. David Nicol, senior loss prevention executive uh, for Greece from um, uh, Thomas Miller PNI Europe one of the PNI clubs. So we welcome them to, uh, to us. Uh, and I would like to uh, ask Mr. Martin uh, Say to kick off and uh, give us his uh, remarks. Let's see if I will be a better timekeeper than the previous moderators. I'm not Uh, you have to push the button. Welcome, and thank you for having me here. Um, I'm going to talk about telemedicine, but I'll start with a very, very brief introduction. Um, I believe someone earlier this morning mentioned that the industry probably needs some new partners and experts to help it along in these times of always having issues, as every company does and every industry does. So Yale University, we may be a little late to the game, but we're making a commitment to maritime research. And in fact, I'll tell you now that we are starting a Yale University Maritime Re Research Center, which I'll co-direct. So hopefully, we'll, I'll be able to meet many of you and we'll be able to do th good things together to help. Um, let's see. So I'm probably preaching to people that know everything of this slide, but there's at least 1.5 million seafarers out there. Um, and as someone else mentioned earlier, probably 90% of all commerce goes at some point on board a ship. So it's very important. It's not going away. It can't go away and still have our standard of livings. Um, and, the, and you have these people on ships that sometimes get ill, sometimes get injured, but you don't have a physician on board. It's not like a land-based business. And so that brings with it certain issues. And we try to understand the costs of those issues. And one way to look at it is what's the cost of diversions for medical care. And that's been estimated at just under a billion dollars a year. 
that's probably a very, very low estimate because that's direct costs as I understand it, and it doesn't cost the issues of people being ill that do not have to cause a diversion. So, so it's a big problem. As I, as I mentioned, they're very, very isolated um, with very limited medical diagnostics on board. And also, whatever's in the toolkit there as far as medicines is what's available, but that as too is limited. So that's where telemedicine has come in. And so now you can actually get advice from a physician. You can do that more easily. But with the telemedicine companies, they bring a little bit more than the standard call to an SOS type company. And they can actually help you along much further in trying to understand how to reduce costs of caring for somebody. But that has, has always been the past been that someone gets very in, ill, and at least my, my understanding is most captains wait till the seaman is very ill before they place the call. And that's probably a problem, and I'll relate it to land-based companies or people. The most expensive thing you can possibly do when you get sick or ill is get so sick or ill that you have to go to the emergency department. That is where the costs are through the roof and it's going to take a long time to rehabilitate the person. The next better thing to do would be to catch the illness or disease early, treat it appropriately so that it never manifests to a very bad condition. Now you have some costs, but they're surely nowhere near the costs of going to an emergency department. Lastly, and the best of all, which I'll call going upstream, is to somehow prevent the illness in the first place as best possible. So, that said, there is a symbiotic relationship. It's not antagonistic. There's a symbiotic relationship between increasing the wellness of the crew members and decreasing the whole total healthcare spend cost. Now, it may come at some upfront cost a little bit with telemedicine or some other tools, but anything ship owners can do to go upstream, to reduce disease, will be extremely beneficial. And someone else all talked about big data earlier, and that's probably the proper approach from my point of view. You, you collect a ton of data on all these seafarers. You have pre-employment uh, medical exams. You have incidents data. Um, you know where the, the demographics, you know where they're from, you know their, um, what job they have on the ship. All this information can be combined, and we've done it on land-based industry, to try to understand where is the risks coming from and therefore have some sort of sense of actually coming up with a risk assessment that you, prior to the voyage starting, you will know that it's, if you have certain people on board or a person on board that's of this age and these medical conditions or whatever, they're still clear, they're still fine to work, but they may have a little bit higher risk if they're doing one particular job than a different job on the ship. And the more you understand that, the more you can manage it. Um, for instance, it, it may not be 
the, oh, well, I'll, I'll go back. There's a, probably a culture also of not wanting to divulge all of your medical conditions in some of these PME exams. So let's take the example of a little bit older seafarer that maybe has hypertension, doesn't want to admit it because they're afraid they won't get the job. The physician, thinking he's doing the best for his patient, may not realize it or may just sort of look away because he wants the person to have a job, which is kind of a humanistic approach. Um, the person comes on board, no one knows he has hypertension, he brings his pills and he runs out of them a week before his tours up. Well, now you may have a problem because he can't manage it. It would be much better and preventive to manage it. So that's kind of what I mean by pushing upstream to prevention. And I think anything that can lead to understanding the risks would be helpful. And I'll, I'll make a pitch from Yale's research end. The biggest problem with understanding what the risks are is knowing what happens, is knowing the people on board that aren't ill, that never get ill, that or haven't been ill or haven't been injured, because I've heard some people say how the Filipinos are the ones that are always getting ill on my ships. If I only didn't have Filipino seafarers, I'd be fine. And I actually asked this person, well, what percentage of the people that you ha get ill are Filipino on your ship? And he said, I'm guessing it's about 60% of, of the illnesses are Filipino. And I said, well, how many Filipinos percentage-wise are on your ships? He said, about 80%. Well, I tried to explain to him how the Filipinos are actually getting sick at a lower rate than everyone else. If they're only accounting for 60% of your illness, but it's 80% of your crew, you need to take that into account. And that's the types of simple analyses we could do much further that can shed light to, I think, prevent a whole lot of injuries, illnesses, and have a healthier crew and a, and a lower medical cost for the ship owners. Thank you. Thank you very much. Actually, Martin came a long way to present to us uh, these findings, and uh, clearly he's one of the uh, people who uh, know this topic inside out. So thank you. And uh, now I will ask uh, Dr. Jardis to come to the podium and uh, give us his presentation. Good afternoon. Thank you, Mr. President, dear Nico. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure that uh, uh, this kind of instances uh, make us all worry, and we all hate to see it. On your left, you can see a case of two seamen that died due to malaria, and on your right, a case of probable unnecessary airlift of somebody that was unconscious due to low blood sugar. So these cases need to be a little bit better diagnosed, managed, and of course prevented. But one could argue, why should we care? Seafaring is a dangerous operation, so, uh, uh, occupation, so they all know the risk. They should take their chances. Well, apart from the humanitarian reasons, this is why we should care. In my opinion, seafarers' health and your company's interests are bound together in a yin and yang sort of relationship. And if that relationship uh, works well, then it will end up with mutual, mutual benefits and progress for both. So let's have a look at a couple of examples of where medical management 
and, and, and cost uh, uh, containment work together. This is a case of acute appendicitis that was managed conservatively for four days until the vessel reached uh, the, the port of, uh, of uh, destination where the patient was operated on in Singapore, I think. And of course, you can see we avoided uh, uh, deviation expenses, delay in cargo delivery and all that, an amount that could rise up to $100,000. Now, another case, an interesting case of uh, an outbreak of gastroenteritis among seven crew members that could very easily lead to epidemic and to a, a, a possible quarantine of the vessel. So we had to, uh, one, on one hand, manage the sick members, and on the other hand, contain the epidemic. And it, this was, uh, of course, uh, uh, successfully uh, done while the vessel was still uh, traveling. And at a last example of chest pain, which is a rather uh, um, uh, often encountered problem, mostly attributed to heart disease. Uh, in this case, we followed the patient with everyday monitoring of his electrocardiogram until he safely reached the port of destination and then he was repatriated uh, for further investigation and it proved out that there was nothing wrong with his heart. So that's what we think, let's see what the rest of, where, of the world thinks uh, about the problem. This is a very interesting paper that came uh, back in the 2013 in International Marine Time Health, and the authors underlined that there is a possible savings of 20% of, uh, uh, of cost uh, when implement, implementing uh, telemedicine on board. And apart from this uh, tangible financial benefit, you can see that they uh, mention soft benefits, not very soft in my opinion, uh, that will uh, be an increased crew retention and you being perceived as a quality employer. And these are uh, uh, um, points that were stressed out at the previous um, uh, panel as well. And last but not least, they underline the need for standardization of a pre-medical pre-boarding medical e-file, and I will come back to that later on my talk. So let's see how we can achieve all these goals, uh, uh, starting on the onboard services. Uh, you can have onboard medical teleconsultation that will end up in the medical issue being completely resolved, so everybody is happy. But the least onboard medical teleconsultation can achieve is medical issue improvement. Those two combined will lead to avoidance or reduction at least of port medical examination, testing, hospitalization, repatriation, deviation, and so forth. And that, of course, is translated to cost containment. Now, in cases of a port medical examination being warranted or hospitalization, for that matter, if you have a medical surveillance of the seafarer, then you establish a continuity of the medical observation, which helps very much the management of the, of the medical case, on one hand. On the other hand, financial, uh, financial uh, observation and uh, with uh, comparison of the costs with, other, with what are considered uh, standard costs around the world will, of course, uh, lead to cost containment again. And if we go a further a step backwards towards prevention of the, of the whole problem, then we end up in pre-employment actions that can be taken, such as uh, PME's results re-evaluation and reassessment, PME centers auditing when that is deemed necessary, Supplementary blood, blood testing when it is applicable, and of course, with online uh, 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 multiple questionnaires concerning alcohol abuse and mental health evaluation. 
All the results of, of these actions, along with the medical history, will form a medical file uh, which will give us a unique opportunity of pre-joining screening that will end up in either employment or rejection of the CIFAR, or, very interestingly, in setting prerequisites for employment or re-employment. When somebody has two episodes of hypertension of board, we will insist that he will have a, a, a complete cardiological workout in his country before being re-employed. Of course, this will lead to avoidance of medical incidents and again, cost containment. Now to the obvious question, how we can achieve all these goals, we will just quickly uh, go, uh, take you through how we do it in shipment care. Well, the, the first obvious part of, of what always goes on is the uh, uh, ship, the ship to, to shore uh, uh, um, communication, which is what is being done widely all around the globe at the moment. Uh, we work with a, a single, a single um, a group of uh, um, uh, first-line doctors that are mostly general practitioners or internists. They usually tackle the problem themselves, but they, if they have problems or they need an expert's opinion, then they can, talk, they can contact uh, a group of uh, uh, 27 special uh, experts from 16 different specialties. They cover all the spectrum of medicine. And so they can tackle the problem, uh, uh, the three of them, the vessel, our first-line physicians, and the specialists. Now, in cases uh, that a medical, uh, port medical examination or hospitalization is needed, then we can recommend that the CIFAR is referred to one of the medical centers we are affiliated with around the globe. But regardless of that, we will follow the CIFAR wherever he is treated until complete resolution of his problem. Uh, this is a map showing, showing the 11 medical institutions we are affiliated with around the globe, and this, of course, network is being uh, increased gradually. We try to, to cover major ports, as you can see, Shanghai, Singapore, Manila, Fujairah, and so forth. And this is a list of uh, our, uh, our uh, uh, specialists, our collaborating specialists. You can see the different uh, experts there. They, are all more, they cover, as I said, the whole spectrum of medicine. Um, in cases we need to enhance the information that, we, uh, that comes from the vessel, we recommend that uh, ships under, under our care are equipped with a telemedicine case, and all this information derived from this case is extremely helpful to us, especially when we treat a complicated or severe case. And now, just a quick a few words for the, uh, uh, the, the medical e-file. As I told you, it contains the pre-medical, the pre-joining uh, uh, medical examination, medical history, and all the information from medical incidents on board. How it can be used? It can be used directly on the spot by our first-line doctor. When there is a medical incident, he can use the information there to treat the patient in a, in, a, in a better way. The other thing we can do, we can compare the results with the PME's uh, uh, um, results, examinations, so we ensure a stringent policy concerning the issuing of those very famous fit-for-duty uh, documents. And the last thing we can do, as I said, we can set with this uh, uh, pre-employment medical file, we can set prerequisites that will uh, um, be translated in medical consultation or potential treatment in the CFR's home country before he gets on board. 
Now, this is a small sample of uh, our field experience. You can see uh, the last two and a half years we, have, uh, we had 500 uh, medical cases and we can you can see here what we avoided. We avoided port medical examination. We avoided repatriation, deviation. Uh, somewhere here is the avoidance of possible epidemic, which was very, very interesting. And the other things that we achieved. Now, what we achieved with that, except from these numbers, is that we achieved a savings of close to half a million dollars for the uh, corresponding uh, shipping companies. And just one slide, it's, it's, a, it's a back to the future information slide. You can see back in 2006 what ILO uh, was, was uh, uh, requiring back then. And well, taking into consideration the rapid technological problem uh, uh, progress that we uh, uh, have in as far as uh, telemedicine is concerned, you can only be sure of how close and mandatory our telemedicine future really is. So we should uh, all try to stay one step ahead of quality control. Thank you very much. Thank you, Pericle. That's uh, very interesting indeed. And now I'll ask Mr. David uh, Nicol, the Senior Loss Prevention Executive for, uh, for Greece, from uh, Thomas Miller, PNI Europe, to let us know his point of view how telemedicine can insurance premiums and so on. You have to push the button. There we are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good day, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, as an ex-seafarer, an employee of a PNI club. Uh, developments in the field of telemedicine are of particular professional and, and personal interest. Um, a medical emergency on board a ship can be a time of considerable, considerable anxiety, uh, both of course to the master and the patient, but also to the ship managers and of course the, the seafarer's family. A uh, ship may be many days from uh, the nearest medical facilities, uh, and uh, on board a vessel, uh, a master can only have at hand the quite basic medical supplies or equipment, um, and also relying on his own rudimentary um, uh, medical knowledge. It's therefore imperative that masters have access to prompt and professional medical advice from ashore to make best use of what's available on board. This will pro provide reassurance to the master and patient as well as assisting, assisting the master's decision-making process with respect to how this situation should be managed, whether a real emergency act actually exists at all, and if it is medically justified to deviate the vessel and perform or affect a, a evacuation of the seafarer. Um, now, I've got a little anecdote here. Um, uh, many years ago in the 1970s when I was a cadet, um, I was on a tanker uh, going across the Atlantic from the UK to the Caribbean. Um, we were tank cleaning, uh, tank cleaning with hot water, and during that operation I was burnt on, on my leg, on my left leg. Um, now, the, the burn wasn't particularly serious, um, but um, I do recall the master's dilemma in uh, trying to decide whether they should de deviate the vessel to land me in the Azores or not. Um, now, he did take telemedical advice. Um, it was quite uh, rudimentary in those days. It was decided to, to keep me on board and then to send me to a doctor in uh, Curacao. Um, now, it was a good outcome, um, but uh, it, it was a time of anxiety because burn injuries can develop in, in quite a bad way. Uh, but thankfully, I'm still here and I still have 
both my legs. Um, but um, of course, at that time, uh, you know, ships' communications were limited. Um, you had Morse code radio telegraphy in the middle of the ocean. It was radio um, high-frequency radio telephony, which could be uh, adversely affected by the ionospheric disturbance. Uh, thankfully, we've got much better communication equipment on ships, including now quite widespread uh, uh, broadband internet. Um, so this means that it has opened the way for the provision of more enhanced uh, telemedical advice. Now, a decision uh, whether or not to deviate and evacuate a sick, sick or, or injured seafarer is not one to be taken lightly by the master. Uh, the first priority, of course, is that decisions are made in the best interests of the seafarer, you know, having in mind uh, the facilities on board and its condition. Uh, but aside from the potential high cost of a deviation, these operations can be potentially hazardous if they're performed in, in bad weather conditions. Um, it's high risk for the, for the crew, it's obviously high risk for the patient who's being transferred, but also for the shoreside personnel, either from a launch or a helicopter. <coughs> so, um, so it's something that has to be very, very carefully considered. Uh, the use of still or video imagery um, to assist in conveying a patient's con condition is a very useful tool. Um, if you look at my uh, own example, uh, if the medical responder ashore had been able to see an image of my particular injury, it would have obviously assisted with the decision-making process. However, I think it has to be said that the, the placing of overly sophisticated telemedicine equipment and sensors on board may be of questionable value if the crew are not properly trained to use it, or it's not being properly maintained or, or upgraded as, as required. <clears throat> now, as far as uh, a P&I club is concerned, <clears throat> now you'll all be aware that uh, ship owners, crew, and illness, uh, illness and injury liabilities uh, are an essential element of a ship owner's P&I cover, if not the most important element. Uh, how can we demonstrate that? I'll just. Uh, Look at a couple of slides here. Um, this one uh, is uh, statistics uh, for the UK club, all vessels from 2010 to 2017. Uh, this is the number of claims of that period, and you can see that people claims, which will include uh, crew illness and injury, uh, constitute 37%. Okay, but this is really files open, so it's not necessarily representative. The next slide is, uh, when we look at the cost, uh, situation, uh, you can see that pe people claims it's are by far the largest proportion of claims in terms of cost, uh, really far outstripping any other category of claim, which is quite significant. If we, we can break down the, the people claims, um, and you can see here the semen illness or death, or semen injury and death, uh, very much pre predominate, uh, pretty much in, in, in equal measures there. Uh, now, apart from the cost of treatment, um, cover, P&I cover also extends to the net expense involved in making a deviation, additional fuel costs, um, the costs of transferring the, the seafarer, uh, and of course, uh, associated costs with sickness, wages, compensation uh, under the, uh, under, under the uh, contract of employment. Uh, it therefore follows that if a master is empowered it with enhanced medical advice, and guidance to assist in its decision-making, 
Uh, this may prevent the escalation of medical cases, potentially avoiding the need for expensive shore medical treatment or a deviation which may negatively influence the member's claims record. When a decision is made to deviate, it obviously it will require some careful consideration as to whether the nearest port or place is, is appropriate. Uh, does that place or port actually have the appropriate medical facilities to deal with the casualty or the sick seafarer? Uh, it's, it's really no use in deviating to the nearest, you know, sparsely inhabited island, inhabited island if they don't have any proper medical facilities to deal with the patient and then you're looking at a situation where he will then subsequently have to be transferred to a more developed location. So you're really exacerbating the problem there. Um, this is where the, the, the P&I club can come in to, to assist with the decision-making process. Clubs still have a very large network of correspondence, so they can be contacted in that geographical location to find out the most suitable uh, place to land the, the seafarer. Uh, conversely, the, the failure to obtain adequate medical advice or assistance can have serious consequences, not just for the sick and injured seafarer, but also with respect to the cost situation of a claim. A, a ship owner has a statutory uh, statutory duty of care and a moral duty of care uh, to ensure that seafarers' medical needs are properly attended to. Should there be a breach of this duty by way of improper or delayed treatment resulting in an exacerbation or deterioration of the seafarer's condition, then the ship owner may be exposed to potentially very large compensation claims beyond what is provided for in the contract of employment. Now, it's not for a P&I club to direct what type of telemedicine um, services a ship owner should adopt. However, there is a good loss prevention case to ensuring that enhanced telemedicine assistance is accessible to master and crew. There are also potential indirect benefits, of course, fostering of goodwill and seafarers and the families with the knowledge that the company has their, good, their welfare and good health at the heart of employment policy. Uh, there are also other knock-on benefits, uh, improved performance, improved morale, and crew, better crew retention rates. Thank you very much. David. And now let's have a few questions. Uh, I'll ask a couple of questions to the panelists and we'll leave some time for the floor. So I will uh, start with the Dr. Uh, Zardis and uh, the question I'd like to ask you is, is, is there any awkward part in the services that you're offering? Do you consider that there is one? The, the awkward part is the services itself. But, of course, uh, that's what uh, uh, being a doctor is all about. The most awkward part, apart from the little joke here, uh, is getting the truth for, uh, from the seafarers as far as their medical history is concerned. And uh, when I came to, to, uh, to know some uh, doctors that work in PME's club along the globe, they had the same problem all the time. All the seafarers are afraid that they will be thrown out of the industry, will never be employed again if they admit that they have hypertension or whatever, kidney stones. And what we have to do is to persuade them that what we're trying is to make their journeys safer, not to prohibit them 
from uh, going on board. And that uh, can only be achieved if you have a sort of personal communication with the crews. You cannot achieve that if uh, the physician is represented by a telephone number or an email, for that matter. You have to, they have to know that somebody, a company, a group of doctors, you name it, are really looking out for them and that their shipping company really cares about who is looking after them. Perkley, if I can ask one more question. Uh, within the shipping company, who is the, the person that makes the actual decision to sign on for, many, for telemedicine? Well, I, I, would, I would say that the, the, the first person we usually contact is uh, the, 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 the crew, uh, crewing manager or crewing director. But of course, he only uh, uh, recommends some kind of medical services to the, to the shipping company, to the owners, to the president or whoever. So, board of directors, I don't know, is the, the, the one that will have the, the last word on that. So, if you don't have telemedicine, what's the fallback? as a company, then you, you deal with the problems as they occur, or? Well, well you, if, if you don't have telemedicine? If you don't have. Well, if you don't have telemedicine, the, 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 the whole house of cards will probably fall apart, because uh, the, 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 the whole idea of, of uh, 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 Crufarer's health is based on that. Uh, and it has to be an integrated and comprehensive service. As I said, not just one email or one telephone call. You have to have specialists uh, uh, supporting these groups. You have to have uh, 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 medical centers affiliated or not affiliated, but at least medical centers you can communicate with and follow up the cases, as I said, both financially and scientifically. And of course, you have to have uh, the, this uh, standard medical e-file. It is imperative. For the, in order for what is considered telemedicine to work. Telemedicine is not just a, a, a suitcase full of instruments that you connect to the patient and so the patient gets well. That's the A. You have to go to the remaining letters to get uh, a successful result. And last question before I go to the other panelists, if you allow me. Um, Telemedicine, is it uh, something that maybe the crewing companies uh, should uh, consider? So when they provide the crew to the uh, owner, uh, telemedicine is part of the package they offer? That could be, be very well the case. I had a, s a small conversation with Mr. Chow, I hope I pronounced his last name well, uh, because uh, 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 Telemedicine company services can be uh, uh, asked for either from the shipping company or from the money agency or wh whoever uh, cares or is responsible for the welfare of, of the seafarers. And now, if I can ask uh, a question to uh, to uh, Martin, um, how do you see telemedicine evolving uh, in regard to the merchant marine industry? Is that something that is catching on? Uh. Um, thank you for the question. I believe that it is something that's catching on. I believe it's in pretty much, as long as it's been around, it's still in the infancy of, of the program. I think we've got to go past the, uh, as was just said, the initial treatment 
and use all the data that's available to push back upstream the severity of disease and more importantly, the prevention of disease. Telemedicine gives us that opportunity. Um, for instance, if the Manning agencies were truly to take on the telemedicine role, um, not role, but ask for it, I would say that it would give a researching group the capability to understand everyone that is going onto the ship along with their medical conditions, as well as the ones that were actually injured or got ill. And without both, you're kind of flying in the dark. Thank you. And now I'll uh, conclude asking uh, a question to Captain Nichol. I'll ask the same question away from two perspectives. First of all, as an ex-seafarer, how do you think uh, the advance in, telemed in telemedical service are likely to be perceived by the ship's masters and crew? Um, I think overall uh, very positively. Um, I can see a great advantage where if this is done as a matter of company policy, um, then you know you have the prospect for the ship's master and even other members of the crew being able to, to develop a, a relationship uh, with the, the medical responders on the other side of the line. I think that, 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 that is really quite uh, something, quite revolutionary. Uh, the traditional forms of, of, of telemedical advice, the, the public funded uh, forms, um, I, I, w I wouldn't want to uh, denigrate what they do. They, they actually have provided great service for many decades. Um, but, um, but, you know, but I think it, it is, it is a, a quite a leap that whereby we can have a patient's diagnosis and then co continuous monitoring be done uh, at a very more intimate level, a uh, more consistent level. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can get a situation where, you know, the master may even, uh, you know, he may, he may even know and have a relationship with the, 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 the doctor on the other end of the line. Uh, I, th I think that's a great uh, benefit. And also, uh, I think we should get away from uh, just using these services for emergencies. It's already been touched upon. Um, but, um, you know, again, this is, it's all about um, nipping a condition in the bud. Stop it becoming um, a serious issue. Um, so, you know, if, if this can again be developed, I think that there would be great benefits and crew would, would uh, uh, you know, gain a lot of confidence in the, in the system. Uh, it is important that, um, that it is tailored uh, according to the, the capabilities of the, of the people on board the ship. Um, you know, as I said, it's, it's, no, it's no use putting over-sophisticated equipment on board um, if they're not likely to be able to, to use it properly. But, but overall, I would say, yeah, a very, a very positive um, uh, potential benefit, yeah. So now, as a PNI uh, executive, uh, from your perspective as a PNI club, do you think that uh, telemedicine will potentially impact your members' claims? And um, if you do, would you treat more favorably from uh, a premium standpoint uh, a company that comes to you and says that they already have telemedicine as part of their standard policy? Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll deal with the second part first. Um, uh, really, it, it is, I think it would be regarded as a, a loss prevention measure for the benefit of the owner. Um, I mean, you, it, 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 this doesn't apply just to telemedicine. It applies to you know, the whole s scope of, of ship operations and as it relates to P&I cover. Um, you can take the example, for example, of an owner who arranges a preloads cargo survey. Um, you know, that's for his own benefit. It's, it's not normally supported by the club. By the club. Um, 
However, with regard to uh, what the impact it, it may have on claims, um, well, I mean, it, it's very difficult to quantify because um, enhanced telemedicine is not universally uh, adopted. And uh, it, it is probably unlikely to have uh, much of an impact on the actual handling of claims. Um, communication with telemedical services is normally established um, before we get involved anyway. And, and really it's the owner's prerogative of how he handles his, uh, you know, the, 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 the policy on telemedicine. Um, however, I think it's reasonable to, to say that uh, where ship owners can achieve better outcomes uh, with regard to treatment of crew or, or reducing unnecessary deviations, uh, then this could uh, reflect posi positively on the, the owner's claims record and where you have an in a consistent improvement in the claims record that again may have a, an influence on, on premium. Thank you. And if you don't mind, I managed to uh, oversuit my own time by half a minute, so I will uh, conclude the panel if that's okay with you. I would like to thank you. I think it's a great concept, a very novel concept, and uh, I hope it finds wide acceptability in the industry and of course will be delighted to work with Pericles to spread the word around. Uh, so thank you to the panelists and let, let's move to the next panel.